0: The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Pegg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Pegg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Pegg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Pegg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat visit dr.pegradio.com. And now here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark.,
1: I'm blessed to be golden, back with you for another episode golden, of Living Well with Dr. Golden, Dr. Peg, which is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, be sure to go to dr.pegradio.com for the program archives. You can listen to a variety of topics, ranging from mental health to managing your finances to making behavior changes. And it's spring, and what a great time to work on your goals and spring forward. If you want to experience lasting change in this season of your life, I'd like to invite you to register for one of my upcoming Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreats. By scheduling either a private individual retreat or small group retreat. You'll enjoy a full day of refreshment, personal reflection, and strategic planning. And together, we'll, we'll explore where you are, where you want to go, and identify what's holding you back. You'll leave with specific strategies and an individualized plan to accelerate your personal transformation and help you spring into your new season. I'd also like to remind you about my book, Do Something Different for a Change, a self help book detailing effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles to help you identify and overcome the common barriers to change and to experience lasting change and transformation in your life. Go to drpegradio.com to buy your copy and reserve your spot in a do-something-different-for-change personal transformation retreat. Well, Proverbs 24:16 says, "...for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes." And Ephesians 6.13 says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. Psychologists call this resilience, the ability to bounce back from hardship and adversity. But my guest today calls it a comeback and (laughs) comeback she has. Her nickname is Comeback Cobb and she's media personality, Erica Cobb. And Erica has appeared on television and Been the host of Morning Radio in Chicago, Denver, and Sacramento. And after some serious obstacles and hardships, personally and professionally, She's back in Denver and here to tell us about her comeback journey. Erica Cobb, thanks for being on the show in the studio with me today. Welcome to the program. Thank
2: you so much, Dr. Pegg. You know how much I adore you, so I really appreciate you having me today. It's great.
1: We're back together again. I had Taronda Thomas on the show um, recently, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had such a great conversation, and I was saying, I've got to get Erica on the show, we first met uh, doing nine news yes. uh, many years ago, and we were on a segment called "Ask the Experts" and mm-hmm. shared our expert opinion. And so, I uh, just always enjoyed your energy and enthusiasm and your your insights and expert opinions. So, thank you for being here. Thank you. Well, this is great. You know. Um, uh, I'm from the generation of LL Cool J yes. <laughs> when he was a rapper, not an right, actor right. and a, and a um, you know, award show host. And LL Cool J uh, had a rap song where he said, don't call it a comeback. Mm-hmm. I've been here for years. You old enough to Oh yeah, remember I, I that? <laughs> uh, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I, I remember that song. All time. right. So you've been in the game for a long time. I Wait, have. Maybe we shouldn't call it a comeback. Yeah. You've been here for years. So before we talk more about how you got to where you are professionally, Um, Talk about your time growing up in Chicago. You're a Chicago girl. And I read in your Bob. Your bio, your mom is a professor, uh, yes. a gifted math professor, in fact. And your dad is a funeral director. So That's there's got to be some fun stories in there. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about uh, your your growing up days.
2: So I am one of four um, biological children in my family. Um, I have an older brother, a younger brother, and younger sister. Um, but my family, we were raised in the church. Um, we were one of those six night, six day <laughs> a week Whenever going the, the church. doors
1: were open. Exactly. Right, kind of Even when
2: they were closed. <laughs> we were there. Um, my my dad was a youth minister mm. for quite a while. And um, as a result, and probably as a result of a lot of different things, my parents actually took on guardianship of other children mm. um, who were under parent, parented or weren't parented at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were raised with a very open door policy mm. for children, especially those who were in um, risk or in danger of either being part of a part of the system Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, they just weren't getting the proper care that they needed. So, um, we, as a result, I think that I've always had a very, um, open feeling Mm -hmm. about people, Mm -hmm. um, because you just never know what people are going through. Um, but anyway, we had a very, very hectic household. Um, I am the least athletic of my brothers and sisters. Um, My brother went on to the combine and played briefly in the NFL and my Mm -hmm. older brother played D one and my younger sister played at D one and she was in track and field. And now she actually is over um, an athletic program in Stanford. So I am like really (laughs) the least athletic one, but that's just the type of household that we had. It was always going, going, going. Yeah.
1: A lot of activity and energy. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. So that explains a lot about who you are, who I know you to be is a very open and embracing person. And so that makes sense growing up with with, um, kids who are in need. And I like what you said. We never know what is going on with people, and Mm -hmm. we often can be quick to judge. Yes. And we really don't know what they're going through even that day, let alone what's led to that point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you went to college in Chicago. I did. I mm-hmm. went to
2: DePaul University. My mother is a professor at DePaul. Oh, okay. So um, it's very much our school. My, um, both of my parents did their master's program. Um, well, my mother did her master's. My dad, well, he did his MBA program. At DePaul, my older brother got his master's from DePaul, and then myself and my little sister went to DePaul. We do have a black sheep of the family. That's my brother, Aaron. Um, Where who, did he go? He went to Northwestern. Oh, my goodness. Because um, <laughs> DePaul doesn't have a football team, uh-huh. and he played football in college. So, um, yeah, we're a very much DePaul school. Mm-hmm. Although I was not raised Catholic, I was raised Methodist. Mm. Um, but that was a very interesting situation, too, because you're required to take X amount of theology Mm. classes, and that's when I really got more into the side of philosophy, because some of those classes did count as double Mm -hmm. between theology and philosophy, so um, I think that that's when I started thinking about things a little bit less as us as human beings and more as like spiritual beings. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, amen. Well, you had some early experiences in Chicago in college in modeling and acting and television and radio. Talk about those and kind of how they laid the foundation for what you're doing today?
2: Well, I've always known that I was going to be on radio. Um, I knew when I was about twelve or thirteen years old, I was grounded for the entire summer. Um, I had absolutely we'll save
1: that story for yes. show. <laughs> grounded the um, whole summer, Erica. The whole oh summer, and
2: you know it's funny because people think I did something so atrocious, but really it was the fact that I didn't listen to my father, and he had warned us so many times. It was myself and my little brother, so we had to figure out things to do around the house because mm-hmm. we weren't even allowed to go outside. Oh, wow. It was pretty crazy, yeah. Um, but I had just gotten a karaoke machine. <laughs> um the Christmas before and so I listened to the radio all day, every mm. day. And I would, you know, record, um, the, the songs and I would try to get it right as the ramp, you know, came up and right after the DJ started talking and I was press record and this right before the DJ started c- talking, I would press stop and I would keep doing that. So yeah. I'd have my own little mixtape. Yeah. Well, a couple of weeks later, I got so bored of doing that. I stopped recording the songs and I started recording just the DJ voices. Mm. And then I started emulating on my karaoke machine, like the sounds and, um, and the timing and the rhythm that the DJs had. And by the end of the summer, I started calling my favorite radio station, which at the time was WGCI in Chicago, the urban station. And I called every day at the same time that the jock at the time, his name was Crazy Howard McGee, (laughs) and he put me on as my own little segment. So that entire summer, I had my own little segment on WGCI. And then at the end of the summer, he told me... um, Although he thinks, I thought that I was going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, I don't know why. Um, And I said, no, crazy Howard McGee, I'm going to be a radio girl. And he's like, oh, you're not going to be a radio girl. And I just a few years later, I ended up at DePaul and he was doing mornings on WGCI. And I ended up getting an internship at the top 40 station across the hall. And so that's really how everything started. And when I was in college, it's really a, a game of trying to make ends meet. So one of my girlfriends was modeling, and I thought, well, I I guess I could do that. I mean, it seemed like a numbers game. So I'm like, all right, if I go out to 10 auditions, maybe I get one. And the money was good. So I started doing that, and I booked jobs with McDonald's and Ebony Jet and Galleons, which is now Dick's. Um, And that really helped me so much to pay my way um, through school. And then shortly after I graduated, I ended up on the night show um, after an internship um, with w- our WKSC, which is Kiss FM in Chicago. And then shortly after that, I became the morning girl across the street at B96 in Chicago, which is like a top 40 rhythmic station.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a whirlwind story. Crazy. And you say what the enemy meant for evil. (laughs) God turned around and used for good. You got yourself in trouble, Mm -hmm. not listening, and on punishment. Mm -hmm. And look how God turned that all around for your good, for your destiny, your purpose. It taught me to listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, which comes in handy as an interviewer Mm -hmm. and doing all of your stories that that you do on the radio and television. So now, how did you end up in Denver on radio, television, and even um, you spent some time as the in arena host for the Denver Nuggets? Yeah, I you know
2: um, again, listening and timing mm. are really keys to every story that I mm-hmm. have because mm-hmm. I um, ended up on this on the station B ninety six, which is a very well known and very well respected station in the radio industry. Um, they're known for breaking a lot of new artists and new Mm. records. So I got exposed to so many things. Like, I mean, I just got goosebumps right now Mm. just thinking about it because when I was 24 years old, I had no idea what was coming for me at that time. So at the end of it, I had two co-hosts who will absolutely go down in the radio hall Mm. of fame, um, very celebrated individuals one still on the air in Chicago and they had one of the largest radio contracts, Mm. um, at the time, right behind Howard Stern. They were signed right after him. Um, I didn't, people thought I did, (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Um, but anyway, as a result, you know, with ratings and how the whole system goes, they decided to end the show with them, but I was a part of that. Mm. So they decided to let us all go. Mm. And at the time it was like, oh my gosh, you know, I started out in market three, where am I going to go from here? I have no place to go. And so I ended up going to Mexico for a week wow. <laughs> um, at the time and, uh, with my husband at that time. He's now my ex-husband, but we can get to that later. Um, so we went to Mexico and I turned off everything, unplugged everything. Well, interestingly enough, the first day that we were in Mexico, I'm standing in the pool and really trying not to think about what had just happened the day before. And I'm talking and this woman's like, oh my gosh, you're Erica Cobb. What happened? And she starts crying in the pool because (laughs) all the way in Mexico, in Mexico, because we were a CBS station. So Mm -hmm. CBS television did this whole, you know, Eddie Jobo and Erica have been let go, blah, blah, blah. So everyone knew. And I just start bawling in the pool because (laughs) I'm thinking, how did this happen? So anyway, long story short, um, we did, I did become friends with her and I still keep in contact with her. (laughs) But, um, as a result, I met one of her really good friends who were, they were all vacationing together and they were from Denver. So the entire week they just kept making these jokes about, oh, it'd be so great if you ended up in Denver. And they were telling me about how wonderful the city is and how beautiful it is. And I was like, oh, I loved, I love the sound of Denver. (laughs) So we land in a snowstorm and I saw nothing in this cab, but as we're driving downtown back home, I saw this sign and it said Southwest now with <laughs> nonstop flights to Denver. And I was like, Oh, we'll that go- <laughs> I know we'll go and visit Rick and Annette, you know? <laughs> so then I put, plug my phone in and I look at my phone and I had a million messages, but for just maybe five brief seconds, I saw an email and the subject line said, Denver's calling. Wow. And I was like, "Um, okay, I I hear you. I hear you. So I got home and I read the email like five times. The next day I called my former boss and he's like, I'll put you in contact. And I was out here in a matter of a week or two and not even a month after I was let go, I had a new job and I was in Denver.
1: Yeah. And it
2: just was just, just
1: like that. Wow. So I knew I was supposed to be here. Amazing. Well, I'm talking with Erica Cobb, who has a very interesting (laughs) path to ending up here in Denver. Nothing but the hand of God. We see the hand of God every step of the way. Uh, And so we're grateful that you're, you're here in Denver now, but you left and Mm -hmm. you're back again. And we'll, we'll get to that part of the story as well. So you seem to be at the top of your game here in Denver, on television, hosting radio, entertaining thousands of fans at the Nuggets games in the evenings. When you experience some serious obstacles and uh, even even some loss there, unexpectedly, um, talk about that. What what happened in terms of um, how you're you're now the comeback kid because of some of these hardships that you experienced here in Denver.
2: You know, I, I really take every experience that I've had because I really have put myself in arenas where there is a lot of rejection. Mm. So when it comes to rejection, I don't take it very personally. Mm. Um, So for me to get to where I got to um, feeling so rejected and dejected at a certain point in my life, there was just a lot of pile up. It wasn't Mm. a single one single thing. And um, what Chicago taught me by getting let go there mm-hmm. is that there is new life. And to be honest, I experienced so many amazing things in Chicago. I mm-hmm. mean, I interviewed everyone from mm-hmm. Obama to mm-hmm. 50 cent to Mariah Carey to Madonna, you know, like mm-hmm. anyone you can think of. And and so many doors were open to me and it was different in Denver. Um, it's a smaller market, but what I uh, achieved in Denver was I got to find out what it's like to be the local radio girl, yeah, yeah. which is a lot different in a larger city mm-hmm. like Chicago. You know, you have Michael Jordan walking down the street. No one's looking at Erica. Right.
1: Like, from, from the
2: radio. <laughs> right. Um, so here it was a little it was really crazy because I ended up getting a couple of magazine covers and um we did really great in the ratings and i was very identifiable mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons mm-hmm. let's be honest um i was really one of the only black people on the radio mm-hmm. um black females at the time like very little i think there was maybe maybe one other at the time mm-hmm. um so it was um i was i was in a very identifiable mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. And as a result of coming from a larger market, it was, I had a lot of experience Mm. in all of these different things and I was ready to take on whatever. And Denver was so kind Mm. and embraced me so much that I just wanted to continue to give back to the community that was really making me feel like I had a home because that was a very scary thing to Mm. leave um, my home and my family and everything that I really knew and start over. None of my friends had ever done it. Right. I, none of my relatives had ever done it. So I was really kind of the first. Like I'm pioneering to Denver.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah,
2: and um, and I really appreciated how how that all went. And what ended up happening is basically the same thing. You know, it's radio and television. It's mm-hmm. very cyclical. And so it, there came a time where the station felt like there was a better fit. And I was let go and it was a very unceremonious thing. Mm -hmm. Um, When I left Chicago, I was, I left in a situation where it wasn't my fault. Mm -hmm. You know, I hadn't done anything. It's just the way that the industry goes. And I was very blessed with that situation for it to be the first time I was let go. Mm -hmm. um, That I was very well taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of shown this is, you know, we have your back. Mm -hmm. We believe in you. It's, this isn't. For you at yes. this point. So that really helped a lot. Um, when I left the station in Denver, it wasn't like that at all. And that was the first time that I ever felt like, Oh my gosh, you know, people are looking at me like I did something, mm-hmm. you know, it was like there had to be a bad person mm-hmm. in the situation. And because it was just me, then it kind of became me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to say anything disparaging about anyone else or, and I have, Absolutely no hard feelings right. about it. But
1: that's a perception it, that was out right. there. Yeah, there
2: was a perception, mm-hmm. and I had to speak up for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, that wasn't a situation I ever saw myself being in, mm-hmm. because to be very honest, my intentions for everything, especially when it comes to my livelihood are very pure and Mm -hmm. they're very, um, it is what it is. Like I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, so that was very difficult. So I kind of scrambled to get a lot of things together so that I could continue, you know, to keep a roof over my Mm -hmm. head. And that's when the nuggets I did more with that. And, um, I worked at other radio stations and I started working more with nine news, Mm -hmm. which was a major blessing because I got that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but when everything happened, it happened just like that. Like you lose your job, you file for unemployment. Mm. It takes you a while to get another job. Then you go through all of your savings and now you're living on credit. And now, you know, all of these things are starting to snowball, Mm -hmm. snowball, Mm -hmm. snowball. Mm -hmm. And as a result, my marriage Mm. suffered, um, my relationships with myself, with God suffered. Mm. Um, and I was really in a very lost situation. Like you know, people, when you're on the air, especially in radio, and I'm sure television too, but there's a lot of perks. You know, you get special invites to places, you get um, free tickets, you I'm get free. i still waiting
1: for all <laughs> that to happen for me. I mean, it will. What's going on here? It will.
2: Put it out there and you'll receive it. But, you know, and my phone was always blowing up. Mm, My mm. Facebook was always blowing up and with people asking, asking, mm. asking, asking and when it got to the point where I had nothing else to give, mm. all, all of that stopped. Mm. Like no one really notices you or you know they don't check in on you mm. because you don't have anything to offer them. Mm. So that was a really big wake up call because I was, you know, still under thirty at that point or around thirty, and um, I, I had a lot of growing up to do still mm-hmm. at that point. But um, yeah, as a result, you just snowball, and um, it got to the point where I woke up one day and I literally, you know, I'm I'm divorced, I'm unemployed, mm. I'm bankrupt, mm. and I was in severe depression you know i mean everything suffers mm-hmm. when you suffer like mm-hmm. that
1: wow thank you for being so transparent um i read something that you wrote uh you said because you were still in the public eye even though you weren't you know in in your professional role anymore still in the public eye and you said you resolved to fake it till i made it back mm-hmm. uh, talk more about that
2: i tell people um there's a, a an interview i can't I'm, Bren Brown, I think, or I think that's her name. Uh, She interviewed Oprah and um, she talks about not everyone deserves to hear your sad story.
1: Mm.
2: And and especially when you're in it, not everyone deserves to hear that story because you really, you start to see things that maybe you weren't privy to before. Mm -hmm. And what I was noticing was that there was a lot of interest, but the interest wasn't for any reason other than Um, to be voyeuristic, Mm -hmm. you know, people want to see Mm -hmm. how you took the fall, you know, how your pain is doing, um, not to add any real value back to your life sometimes. So, um, that was something just the fake it till you make it thing, um, was really important for me because I come from a very proud family Mm -hmm. and you know, you don't show your scars, you show your strength. And that's what I needed to do at all times because I had to believe that I was strong enough to make it through.
1: Mm -hmm. And so that transparency, um, I think is a, is part of the healing. Um, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, It's beneficial for you to share, and it helps others. And so, talk about that desire to share in being transparent when you when you finally were ready to. And it wasn't about people being voyeuristic. It was about this is part of my healing process. And how I think I can help others. What was that like for you?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, In the beginning, it was a part of my journey. It was a part of my healing to Mm -hmm. start to be able to talk about it. Because when you can really talk about things and not be emotionally driven back from it, Mm -hmm. um, that's very important. And so I thought... I want to be a blessing to others because there were people who were absolutely in my corner Mm -hmm. and there were, you know, soldiers who came through that were like, listen, girl, we got your back, you Mm -hmm. know, and because of them, I wanted to show people because a lot of times people will look at me and say, oh, well, you have it together Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it is and they don't see the full picture. And so this was my opportunity to say, I did this. I was in the dark and I came back out in a greater light Mm -hmm. and you can do this too. So do it with me.
1: Yes. And being able to not only encourage people, if I can do it, so can you, Mm -hmm. but you can help share some of the lessons you learned along the way. And that's what your comeback.tv website is all about. Come back with Erica Cobb. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Erica will share her experiences as wait for it. A (laughs) bodybuilder. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 94-7
0: 94-7 FM, the word one needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing american schools they remain soft targets for violent threats and yet our schools go largely underprepared our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible the ssi guardian qal or quick action lockdown is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom this revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety fire and building codes designed by the leading lock experts in the world the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com.
3: With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRochstra. The White House is throwing counterpunches to deflect attention from three investigations into the Kremlin's interference in the election and alleged Russian ties to President Trump or his associates. The White House says the real story is the Obama administration officials potentially leaking classified material about Americans, including his former national security adviser, and reaching back to the campaign, aides allege Hillary Clinton had more ties to Moscow than Mr. Trump. A new poll by the Associated Press and ORC Center for Public Affairs Research finds a slim majority of Americans favor an independent investigation into the Trump campaign's ties with the Russian government. The polls shows public views about the controversy sharply divided along party lines. An avalanche of water from three overflowing rivers swept through a small city in Colombia while people slept, destroying homes and killing at least 112. This is SRN News.
0: This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word.
4: If you are a Colorado veteran and you are not in a VA mortgage, you've probably been lied to. If you're a veteran and not in a VA mortgage, 99% guaranteed you're paying too high a rate, throwing away thousands of dollars a year to a bank that will never tell you they're taking you for a ride. As a vet, you're entitled to use a VA loan over and over again. You should be paying zero in mortgage insurance, and you can take out 100% of the value of your home for paying off credit cards. Your bank is never going to tell you how much you're throwing away, but I will. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, local Colorado-only mortgage team that has helped hundreds of veterans to drop their mortgage insurance, save thousands, lowering their payments, and pay off high-interest credit cards. Call me and my local team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how much we can save you. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900, or visit FrontRangeMortgage.com. And I'm going to ask 378844, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. We
0: want to invite you to join us weekdays
4: at noon for Daily Sufficient Grace
0: with Pastor Daryl Wilmoth of Front Range Calvary. You can also hear Daily Sufficient Grace every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Again, tune in Monday through Friday at noon and Sundays at 8.30 a.m. for Daily Sufficient Grace. I
1: live by your day's sufficient grace.
0: Islamic terrorists planning to use the refugee crisis to invade America? They are invaders within the victims, there's no doubt about it. That's Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way. You can read more in a free download, Terrorism, Exile, and the Path to Freedom. Log on to our station website and use the keyword RADICAL. I told the very dear
2: friend that if I die tomorrow, I'm happy now that I wrote this book. And he said, you might actually die because
0: you wrote this book. To download your free guide from Dr. Michael Youssef, go to 947FMTheWord.com and enter keyword radical. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit DrPegRadio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark.
1: Welcome back, everyone. My guest is Erica Cobb, media personality and comeback kid. (laughs) So, Erica, how can listeners uh, reach out to you?
2: Well, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Erica Cobb, um, Twitter at Erica Cobb Media, or you can reach out to me on Facebook, Erica Cobb, or you can go to my website, which is just comeback.tv, which might be the easiest way to find
1: it. Excellent. And I'll put a link uh, to your website as well for my website, DrPegRadio.com. So Erica Cobb, media personality, radio, television, internet sensation. Um, I know I'm showing my age because I still, haven't really gotten into Instagram oh. <laughs> when my kids defected from Facebook <laughs> and didn't tell me. And I was like, they're, they're not posting much anymore. I only joined Facebook years ago when my kids were teenagers to keep tabs on right. them. And next thing I know, I'm like, they're
2: not on here much mm-hmm. anymore. And
1: they failed to tell me they're over on Snapchat and Instagram now.
2: Imagine that.
1: <laughs> so I uh, teased up um, uh, your your experience as a bodybuilder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about that. Um, we don't every day meet a bodybuilder, let alone a female bodybuilder. Um, and I know that that you may have been in a kind of different kind of category. Yes. So yes. talk about that.
2: So um, I competed in the National Physique Committee for four seasons, um, and I competed in the bikini division. So it's a much more um, your lean lean muscle. Um, they say more like what you would see on like Maxim type thing. Um, and that's what the girls <laughs> look like. Um, and the funny thing is when I started competing, I was 30 and most of the girls I was competing against were between like 18 and mm-hmm. 24. Um, so I, and I was always about 10 pounds heavier mm-hmm. than most of the other girls that I was on the stage with. Um, cause I just carry a lot of muscle and I really, you know, it's interesting because I would post pictures and, you know, people have very strong feelings about um, body and body image and all of those different things. And the reason why I started competing actually had very little to do with my physique at Mm -hmm. all. Um, I started competing because I was trying to take some control Mm -hmm. back over my life. And it really gave me a routine where I, you know, I was doing mornings at the time and I needed to be at work at 4:30. So that meant getting up at 2:30 in the morning, mm-hmm. doing an hour of cardio, planning out my meals, um having just a very regimented day because as a result of leaving home and I had all of these obligations and I had all of these different people. Um, I didn't have that when I got to Denver and I got very lost, mm-hmm. especially I'm, I'm done with work at 11 AM. You know, yeah. what do I what do, do now? Do the
1: rest of the day?
2: <laughs> so I, I did that. And then the first competition, I thought it'd be my only one. And I came in last. And I just thought from my trainer, I, I want to do this and try to do better. Mm-hmm. So the next one I came in first wow. and uh, to this day, I'm so grateful for that experience because when I started launching the comeback, I use the same exact routine mm. that I did for when I was competing to rebuild my life. Mm. And I said, mind, body and spirit. And really what it is, is just chipping away at something every single day. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for that process of knowing that in three months I can go from this to being mm-hmm. on stage, And I said, when I started to come back in one year, I can go from this to being here. And now here it is a little over two years later, and I've realized all of my goals. Mm. So now it's time for the Mm -hmm. next thing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I have a similar experience. Wasn't into bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I uh, started training and competing in triathlons, sprint triathlons. So a shorter distance than your Olympic uh, lengths. Uh, But it was following my divorce Mm -hmm. and um, just my kids had been involved in youth triathlons and one of the leaders of the group said, well, why don't you try one? And so just to be a good example and role model for my children Mm -hmm. of being able to take a risk and doing something out of my comfort zone, I said, sure, I'll, I'll try it. Well, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and because I was a college professor at the time, I had summers off. So I could start training in the spring around spring break. You know, you come out of your winter hibernation mm. and your, your uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas yeah. <laughs> weight gain and sluggishness. So it was just a great time of year to get physically active again and I had all the time in the world over the summer because I wasn't mm-hmm. working. And I'd spend hours, you know, three, four hours a day training. Yeah. And so it was just something that gave me some discipline, um, a routine. Um, it really showed me that I can do anything mm-hmm. if I set my mind to it. And I have a plan and a strategy. And like you said, a little at a time, just chipping the rock. And I think it there really are a lot of lessons that can be learned in training and preparing for something physical, yeah. uh, you you learn some lessons about what you're capable of. Uh, one of the triathlon series that I participated in, their slogan was, "The woman who starts the race is not the same woman who finishes the race." And Ice, I, yeah. I tell people all the time, it's just about being in the race mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully you will finish. It doesn't matter if you come in, you know, 2,052 out of 3,500 women, right. which was kind of my ranking. Yeah. I was in the race <laughs> exactly. and I finished the race and my time got faster every year. Mm-hmm. I ended up completing eight by time That's all was said awesome. and done. So I totally appreciate what you're talking about, coming out of hardship mm-hmm. and setting a goal, any goal. And having a plan and a strategy and a little at a time making progress towards that. It's it's very exciting to see yourself doing that, isn't it?
2: It really is. And I think as adults, we kind of get out of that. You know, children, everything's new. Mm -hmm. You know, so start trying something new is very easy for Mm -hmm. them because that's what they're used to. But when we become adults, we get very much in our own. This is where our strengths are. And we literally will just... turn our backs on Mm -hmm. things that aren't comfortable or familiar to us so i that i really appreciated that experience
1: absolutely and that's my mantra do something different for a change and we we say we want change but we won't make changes we Mm -hmm. want something different but we don't do something different why because it's hard it's scary and it comes at a cost yes and that's really what your comeback is all about is i'm going to do something that's hard I'm going to do it even though it's scary, and I'm willing to make the sacrifices required. Yes. Absolutely. So um, you said you uh, set out some goals, and you set a timeline of a year for your comeback, and here, you if I heard you correctly, a year later, you've accomplished all those goals. You, you achieved everything you set out to. What were some of those things?
2: Well, I wanted to, um, I wanted to become healthier. Mm. Um, I wanted to get off the yo-yo dieting train because I mean, as you mentioned through when you go through the holidays and you (laughs) get sluggish and so, um, my weight loss and gain was pretty drastic, Mm. especially when I was competing. I was losing, you know, 30 to 45 Mm. pounds in a matter of three to four months, which isn't healthy. healthy. (laughs) Um, and then I was putting it back on. And so I thought, okay, let me figure out a way that this just is my lifestyle. I don't want to go to restaurants or meet up with my girlfriends and be like, oh, no, I can't eat that. Or no, I can't do that. You know, I want to live my life, Mm -hmm. but I also want to live a healthier existence. And I thought – if I apply these principles of diet and exercise every day, then there's going to come a time where I don't have to think about it. That time came about a year and a half into it where Mm -hmm. I legit just did not think about it at all. And I haven't really thought about it since Um, I'm going on about two and a half years at this point. But aside from that, there's so many things that comes from health and physicality. You know, your confidence comes from those things. Um, Your ability to be a more present person comes from those things. Um, Just your ability to engage with other people Mm -hmm. and empathize with other people are all coming from you as being a well person. You know, your wellness has so much to do with that. And so as I started on this journey, I just started learning so many things about myself. And in the process, I did move to Sacramento. I was Mm. in California for a little over a year and I was totally by myself Mm. for the first time in my life. Mm. And so I really got very quiet and very still and I started listening to everything. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I knew that although my contract, I had a two-year deal, I knew that about 14 months into my contract that it was time for me to go. Mm. And that was something that I could totally trust my timing on because I could totally trust myself.
1: Yes. And you talked earlier about uh, timing, listening mm-hmm. and timing. So listening to yourself, listening to Um, the Holy Spirit um, who speaks in a gentle whisper. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not always an audible, you know, sign, Southwest is flying to Denver, flashing neon (laughs) signs. Sometimes it's a very subtle uh, shift Mm -hmm. on the inside that we have to train ourselves to be able to listen to, number one, and then obey Yes, and then do it in the right timing. Sometimes it's um, saying yes immediately. Sometimes it's yes and waiting for the right time. And so you were you were in Sacramento for um, a two year contract but but left prematurely what What was kind of the impetus for that you know i I had had
2: about fifteen years of radio um, big market experience, mm-hmm. and I learned that when you 're told something it 's very different than when you 're shown something and it 's very different from when you feel something. Mm. Um people say a lot of things to you. They show you something completely different and then your feeling mm-hmm. has to go with go with that one way or the mm-hmm. other. Um so I was not feeling like this was my long term okay. feeling. Mm-hmm. And because I had experienced what it's like to overstay my okay. welcome and then be on someone else's timing. Yes. I thought I should be proactive. And I took a lot of steps before I made the decision Mm -hmm. to go ahead and and resign. That's
1: so, so key. I love that. You can be told something, you can see it and you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's shown something and then feel it. And we have to learn again to trust our intuition, which we know is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Um, So. Also, in coming back to Denver, you had another big change in your personal life Yes, um, so
2: I got engaged um, the November before I left um, left Sacramento, which was about an eight month period. Um, I got engaged to an amazing man that I met here before I left mm. for Denver. Um, he left for
1: Sacramento or left for
2: Sacramento. Yes. Um, and he resided in Denver. So we had been going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that right before the wedding, we'd, I'd move back and start my life over here. Okay.
1: Excellent. Well, we'll learn more about this, uh, Mr. Wonderful. (laughs) What's his name?
2: Anthony. Anthony.
1: We'll learn more about Anthony, uh, when we return. Um, and learn what it's like for you to be a newlywed, and anything you can share, especially with my millennial listeners, mm-hmm. is one one reason I wanted you on. Besides. Uh, this inspiring message of, of the comeback was speaking to uh, a younger generation that sometimes for people my age, it's a little confusing <laughs> to understand. <laughs> so talking about what it's like to be a newlywed, ma- married to the wonderful, amazing Anthony, uh, my guest is media personality Erica Cobb, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. This is Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: 947 FM The Word Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or act of terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited Continuing Education Unit, or CEU, issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based, and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm with Erica Cobb, media personality and comeback kid. And we're talking about um, coming back from hardships and obstacles and um, really listening. Uh, to that inner voice that we know as the Holy Spirit. And um, the good news is through all of that, um, you kind of came back to yourself, the healthy whole you, and uh, it's no coincidence. I see it happen all the time. When we are whole and healthy and and walking our path, that's when we cross paths with the one we're meant to be with. Mm -hmm. And my best advice to singles always is work on yourself. Uh, You As women, we always have our list of everything we want in a man, and I was no different after my divorce, um, you know, many years after when I was finally feeling like, yeah, I'm ready. And here's my list, God. You know, Mm -hmm. I want this, 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 (laughs) this, 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 and it literally went on for a couple of pages. (laughs) I'm not even exaggerating. And the Lord said, oh, that's a great list. And don't you think a man that wonderful deserves a woman equally wonderful? So start working on this, this, and this. And he gave me some very specific things. And. I did a lot of self-reflection. I sought some counseling, and I worked on those issues. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, at just the right time, here along comes my now husband. Amazing. And so I'm not surprised that as you initiated your comeback and worked through that process that you meet the man of your dreams.
2: Yeah, I I was actually – so I was kind of at the beginning of – regrouping mm-hmm. when we met, um, not when we met because we hadn't met years before, okay. um, but when we like really connected, connected yeah. and um, I just remember we're sitting at dinner and we hadn't decided that we were dating or anything. We were really just friends and mm-hmm. we were supporting each other. Um, Cause he was going through some transitions himself. He's um, he's Canadian and he mm. was going to move back to Canada like seven months later. So, you know, he's, kind of like a real family guy and he's missing his family and stuff. And so we just really connected and bonded. And so I remember sitting at this dinner and he basically in so many words, we were like, we should, we should try to date. (laughs) And I'm thinking like, I do not need a boyfriend right now. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? This is crazy. And you know, it was just, everything was so authentic Mm. and it was so right. And I didn't envision any of that happening, especially with the timing. Mm -hmm. And literally right after we decided, well, let's not put any labels or pressure on the situation. Let's just see what's going to happen. He ended up being asked to stay for Mm -hmm. a few more years or at least a couple more years to extend his visa. Um, And he said he was going to. And I was like, Mm okay, okay. Because I was thinking, I really didn't know what my next move was going to be, and then shortly after that, Sacramento called, mm. and I told him, you know, I have to go, yeah, and I had to go because at that time, I needed to know who it was that I really am or am going to be, mm. and I needed to do that independent of anyone else. Mm. And I wanted to know that every decision that I was making was really in my best interest because I was truly a person who was pouring from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't have the resources that I was extending to everyone else. And, um, and my mom would tell me that all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wouldn't listen to her. And you know, that's something that you have to learn for yourself. But I did, I left and, um, And we really just made that situation work. And I think he really made that situation Mm -hmm. work and what he did in terms of sacrifice and investing so much energy into us and what I did. Like when we sat down um, at that dinner, I told him that I wasn't even ready to date a someone like him because I wasn't full enough. I wasn't a whole enough person and I felt that he really deserved someone mm-hmm. who was over, over full, yes. you know, enough mm-hmm. to really take care of him the way that he wanted to take care of someone else. Mm-hmm. And he basically was not having that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't believe that to be the truth yes. was kind of, you know, He's, what it he was. He saw
1: you as who you were, would become that full whole person that, that you didn't yet feel. Right. You know? And he felt the
2: same way about me. And so I think what we decided to do was just love up to the people that we saw each other mm-hmm. as being. And as a result, I mean, physically, mentally, spiritually, we are t- totally different people mm-hmm. than we were, wow. you know, almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's just an amazing journey. Just looking at him sometimes is, is a reflection on mm-hmm. what I've been through mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can go a on wonderful. and on about yeah, it. <laughs>
1: great. Great. So what, what um, advice would you give um, to marrieds in your generation? Uh, Cause that, that is a blessing that you even did decide to get married so many Young people today don't want to get married. And so that you saw the value, and I know your upbringing um, um, probably had you grounded and rooted in a value for marriage, even despite your divorce, uh, that you still valued marriage. It was still something you wanted. And so what can you share um, in terms of insights or lessons learned, uh, especially for those in your generation?
2: I am all about being an independent woman. (laughs) You know, I, I did it all. I did the career, I did, you know, the, everything that women say that they want to do, I did. And I was able to do that on my own Mm -hmm. really. Um, But you know what? Two are better than one. Mm -hmm. And there is something about love that if you are missing love in your life, you are missing such a huge piece of the puzzle and what my parents have taught me, and they've been married for how old am I? Thirty-seven years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a little uh, older. Their marriage is a little older than I am, mm-hmm. um, but thirty-seven years, and it's really been about teamwork. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that mm-hmm. team. I wanted that partner. I didn't want just any partner. And even my ex-husband, it just we just went in two different paths i mean the trajectory was just different um that says nothing bad about Mm -hmm. either one of us you know um but when it comes to love i mean you know what do we know about love you know corinthians or first corinthians love is patient Mm -hmm. love is kind love does not envy it does not boast it's not Mm -hmm. proud it's not rude or self-seeking you know it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrong love does not delight in evil it rejoices in the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes Always perseveres, yeah. you know love is everything, it never fails, never <laughs> fails, and that 's what I think is missing for so many young people because mm-hmm. they have all of these things to prove, and it 's really our ego, mm-hmm. you know we get into it get our egos get in the way, and now we have so many things that are taking away from that center you know we talked about social media. We talked about the idea that, you know, the world is bigger or it's smaller to us because it's more accessible, but it's broader. People see that there's more out there. And something that you said earlier that I thought was so key is that you had this list of everything you wanted from a man, but then you had, of course, knew, you would know, um, Mm -hmm. that there are things that you have to bring to the table too. And I think so often we aren't internalizing what it is that we need to bring Mm -hmm. to the table it was very easy for me to look at my now husband and see his value and what he brought to the table because before we ever were romantically involved, I tried to hook him up with one of my girlfriends. (laughs) That's the highest
1: endorsement. Yes. I just
2: thought he was such an amazing guy Mm -hmm. and she's such an amazing woman. And, you know, you two should meet. And thankfully that did not happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I got him. Um, But yeah, you know, I think um, it was a lot easier for me to look at him that way and know what he brought to the table because it wasn't about me. Right. It was about him. And when he, had that type of interest in me and grew to love me that way. I wanted to be the Mm -hmm. type of person that I thought he deserved. Mm -hmm. And so I I think working on yourself and understanding who you are and what you need and Mm -hmm. what you bring to the table, because every morning we wake up the same time, 5 AM we work out together. We make breakfast. He goes off to work. I work from home. Um, and we do all of those things together and it's all a support system Mm -hmm. and it is amazing. And I think sometimes so many people are missing out on Mm -hmm. that because they believe that they're jaded by love Mm -hmm. and it's out there. It Mm -hmm. really is. Yes.
1: Yes. And God gives us the desires of our hearts and, Mm -hmm. and what he knows, some are called to singleness and, and, um, and they may know that. And then others of us, it's the desire of our, our heart. And I tell people, instead of focusing on, being married, really focus on being a wife. And Mm -hmm. the revelation I had was that my husband, before I met him, was a real person out there. The man that I was desiring um, to be a wife to was a real flesh and blood person. He Mm -hmm. wasn't a fantasy in my head, Mm -hmm. and I could start praying for him now. Uh, and I could start being the best wife I could be that the Lord, with the Lord's help I could be now. <laughs> yeah. And so rather than saying I want to be married, I wanted to be a wife, a, a, a wife that um, a, a great husband that I knew God had for me would would deserve. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you were kind of thinking the same way. I want to be that wife that this wonderful man deserves. And Lord, show me what do I need to do to get there?
2: And that's a lesson I took from my first marriage. Mm. You know, I, I am a better wife. I'm a more present wife. Mm -hmm. I understand that it's give and take. And I think sometimes we get into relationships and it's so centered on we, what, what I, 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 I want. Yes. Um, And, and things just don't work out that way. They don't work that
1: way. Well, Erica Cobb, thank you. It's just been a delight to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for your transparency and sharing your insights and resilience and coming back um, listeners, you can tune in every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. For Living Well with Dr. Pegg, and go to drpegradio.com to connect with my guest, Erica Cobb, learn more about my books and retreats. My guest has been Erica Cobb. I'm um, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark, reminding you to live well. And remember, if you're feeling stuck and ready for change, don't forget to check out my Do Something Different for Change VIP Personal Transformation Retreat. Again, go to drpeg. Radio.com to reserve your spot today.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Pegg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Pegg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94 7 The Word FM for Living Well with Dr. Pegg. want to know everything Christian is going on at Denver, log on to today.